Welcome to Shed Life. Uzoma, hello and welcome. How are you, mate? Hello, hello. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Welcome to the shed, man. How you been? Thank you, thank you. Um, been good, obviously, considering the situation of things. <laughs> yeah, how how you been during lockdown? How you finding it? Um, good. Some days good. Some days boring. Some days full of ideas. Um, it's just been interesting, um, given the events that's been going on in other parts of the world and yeah. and here. I mean, considering the number of deaths and the number of, I mean, looking at the news every day and everything that's going on. Yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, there's always something in the news, isn't there? Sort of. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. So I think if you've read the description of the pod, you probably know the um, the topic of discussion. Um, Uzoma, born and bred Nigerian. Paint us a picture of Nigeria, mate. Tell us what it's about. Tell us all about Nigeria. <laughs> um, Nigeria, Nigeria. Okay, Nigeria is a Nigeria is a country made up of several ethnic groups. So when I say ethnic groups, I mean like. Okay, I, I'll take you back because before we got colonized, before before we got colonized, and then got made into one country because our independence we were all several ethnic groups just living separately and obviously the british came in took over and they merged these um ethnic groups together and made nigeria as one country but in nigeria we've got several several ethnic groups and there's like so many of them but the major ones or the ones that are dominant in the country are three main ones so you've got the Igbos, the yorubas and the Hausas which you would hear about most of the time if you asked about um, the ethnic groups in Nigeria. So those are the three main ones. And when we say major, what we mean is we've got that six states in Nigeria and those ethnic groups cover most of the states. So you've got other minor ethnic groups who are like within certain states, but not the major ethnic group in that state. So you don't really hear about them. But in Nigeria, we've got three major ones. So the Igbos, the Yorubas and the Houses. And we have one common spoken language, so our national language, and that's English, but we still have our actual traditional languages and our ethnic uh, local languages within the ethnic groups. So, so you have people who speak all three languages, so you have people who don't understand the other people, but we communicate via English uh, primarily for, I mean, for business and everything else. So we, we, we understand each other. Okay, so I mean, obviously before, um before sort of Britain established their presence there in Nigeria, it wasn't the national yeah. language, right? It was these different yes, ethnic groups yes, you mentioned. Yes. It, and yeah. so these so these eth- English was not. Yeah, go on. These ethnic groups, um, are you saying that were they like kind of self-governed then? Did they have that were they like the various own states within Nigeria or were they just literally the completely own entities um, in the, in a certain region of land? Yeah, so they were they were their own entities within certain regions, and they they yeah they were like self-governed. They had their own laws and their own ways of um, operations and um, kind of rules of the land and everything. And then obviously the British came in and we adopted what um, the British government kind of yeah. <laughs> but before. Um... So before the British came in and they were self-governing these um, three different um, uh, groups you mentioned, what was the relationship between each other? Was it kind of, um, you know, quite hostile or was it like, oh, we're still living, you know, in one sort of area we call home, so I guess? It or... wasn't, so the thing is, it wasn't, it wasn't really hostile. It was more, um, they had a commercial kind of relationship. So they traded between each other and... Um, obviously the cultures were not shared because everybody had their own cultures which they maintained I mean if you compare that to now present day Nigeria the cultures are like shared if you go to like the cities you can see every culture represented and yeah but back then everybody stayed like by themselves until we were brought together so we didn't really have any kind of um, 
conflicts between um, the tribes or the or the um, ethnic groups until we were merged. So once we got merged and we had like one main central government, then obviously some kind of um, corruption starts creeping in, some kind of um, favoritism starts creeping in, and all of that. So that that's when. Um, so we had a civil war at some point after our um, after we got our independence, and that was mainly because. Um, the northern and the western parts of Nigeria were mostly the ones ruling the country. So you never get people from the south or from the east ruling the country. And obviously, given that, most of the resources were diverted to those regions because, again, favoritism and corruption and all of that. So within Nigeria, a different country was going to be born by the eastern and southern parts of Nigeria. They were going to create a different country called Biafra which caused our civil war. So it was Nigeria versus the Eastern and Southerners, which didn't happen because Nigeria won. There was um, support from like America and the British government and all of all, all these other people supporting and helping during the war. So Nigeria won and that was squashed. But obviously now the country lives, the country is in peace, but we still have like certain people who are saying we, we need to create that contract of Nigeria because this corruption still go on and um, I mean, just like with every other um, third world country, there's corruption and corrupt leaders and <laughs> diverting resources for personal use and personal gain and yeah, all of that. Hmm. You know, uh, so going back to when uh, I was asked you to paint a picture of Nigeria, so that's obviously nice oh, yeah. bit of history you've um, given us. But the, um, the, so the intriguing part of Nigeria, I mean, in terms of sizes, I think one of the biggest um, land areas yeah, so in Nigeria the country. The, yeah, and also the population. Population is huge. Why did what what sort of makes it such a hub in Africa? Like you know, to, to why you know you know what I mean? How is it so? Uh, how has it gained this sort of size and stature in the, in the whole country? Maybe what fifty different countries or something. Um. What makes it unique? <laughs> I think it's because of the, okay, um, Nigeria stands out from most um, African countries or what makes it kind of stand out, especially it's because of the, um, I'll say our entertainment industry, because we have, we are kind of the giants when it comes to African music and when it comes to um, African movies and all of that. So when you do that a lot and it kind of goes into other countries and everything, they tend to look up to you or aspire to adopt your culture or they, they see a lot of you on their TVs. So it's just like America, for example, and Hollywood. So their culture is being sold across the world. And it's, it's, it's kind of something similar happening in Africa where most um, African countries say, oh, we watch your, we watch your, um, we watch your movies and your TV shows and we know some of your musicians and everything. And it's always surprising when I hear that. And um, Lagos in Nigeria, which used to be the capital back in the day, but now our capital is Abuja. Lagos is kind of like a huge commercial hub in Africa. And I don't know anywhere else. I mean, I mean, some cities in Africa are, come, are developing to become just as good. Like if you look at Nairobi and if you look, look at South Africa, they're <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of like becoming buzzing commercial hubs as well. But Lagos is mostly one of the reasons because yeah like most people come into Lagos to do business and yeah mate um that's a good question actually when you mentioned the film industry like that yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that film industry Nollywood is like it's one of the biggest in the whole exactly world. it's mad huge <laughs> but you know what I'm intrigued about is how how on earth did it start like you know who was so behind <laughs> buying it how long has it been going on because these I was, I was literally reading about this um the other day and Nollywood I didn't realize just how big it was, but in, in the whole world, yeah, yeah. global state. It surprises me as well when I'm Nigerian, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah, do you know anything about it in terms of history? Like who started it? How long it's been going on for? It's, it's really um, intriguing I have story. No clue. I, I have no clue how, how it started and everything. I mean, I know some of the first movies that were made, but I don't, I don't know what's kind of boosted the... Because I know there, like, it, it was mad. Like every other person, like, was producing movies and like every every time you turn there's like a new movie coming out and there's new and it was just it was a boost but I don't know what um, inspired that boost and I don't know what um, 
I don't know if there was some kind of government funding or anything. Mm. I, I have no idea. I have no, no idea. Fair. It's just fair enough. You you never thought you'd try your hand at um, starring in one of these Nollywood films? <laughs> well, acting. <laughs> nah. <Hey. laughs> oh man. Oh, I want to know what it's what was what was it like sort of growing up in Nigeria? Can you give us sort of your first time experiences of you know what life was like back then? In in, in Nigeria, we live in communities. Um, growing up in Nigeria, it was kind of living in an extent living with an extended family. So it wasn't like a nuclear family where you um, where you had like just your mom and your dad and you lived with them. In Nigeria, we we, we lived with um, uncles, aunties, grandparents, and they were always close by. We lived in compounds. And by compounds, I mean you lived in an area with multiple houses at the gate. And yeah, so it was kind of like a community and everybody lived together. That's kind of like what it was growing up in Nigeria. And uh, you. I mean, comparing that to when I moved, when I moved down here, like I, I got to see how people lived here, and it was, it was completely different. I mean, when I moved down here, we lived um, in a terrace, and my, my next door neighbors, I didn't even know who they were, and that's completely different to how we live in Nigeria. I mean, you can know how you can know the people that live in your neighborhood and the neighborhood across <laughs> from your neighborhood, and, and yeah, everybody knew each other and. When there were times for um, celebration, we celebrated together and everything. Um, growing up as a kid, we all came out like to play on the roads and like um, do things together. And yeah, yeah, it was it was it was fun growing up in Nigeria. Uh, that's awesome, man. What part of Nigeria are you from exactly? Sorry. Um, so I'm I'm from Imo, which is in the east of Nigeria. Imo is a state, Imo state, um, it's in the east of Nigeria, and um, I grew up in Port which is one of the cities in Nigeria. So I was born and kind of raised in Port Harcourt, in Nigeria. Oh, uh, Port Harcourt, okay. Yeah. Well, what was that like, the landscape, you know, the terrain, was it, I don't know, was it, was it near a beach, mountainous? You know, tell us more about that, <laughs> the climate and the actual country or so. Um, the, okay, Port Harcourt's in the, um, South, South, so South, South of Nigeria, which is kind of close to the Atlantic Ocean. And yeah, so around that area is mostly, we don't have, we don't have beaches there. We have mangrove swamps. Yeah, mangrove swamps around there. Yeah, so it's not, it's not the best place to go to for like, to relax or a holiday. But mm. yeah, it's, it's a good area and it rains a lot, <laughs> just like here. <laughs> yeah, it, it rains a lot and um, yeah, it's quite humid as well, like very hot. I mean, when you're there, growing up there, you don't really notice it until you come here and then you have something to compare it to. It's like, okay, that's actually very hot. <laughs> All right, mate, walk us through, um, so when we're saying growing up in Nigeria, you've sort of mentioned the, the sense of community that you had and all that. What about like the education yeah, yeah. system? So, yeah, um, so in Nigeria, yeah, our education, the education system in Nigeria is, uh, so you do, okay, I'm gonna take that again, sorry. The okay. education system, the edu education system in Nigeria is, um, so we do a six, uh, six, three, three, four system. And that's um, six years, six years in primary school, um, three years in junior secondary, three years in senior secondary, and four years in university, or in some cases more. For example, if you're going to be a doctor, or other other um, yeah other fields that require more years in university, and then you'll notice that we we don't have any um, years for A levels or sixth form. So in Nigeria, growing up, I did my um, nursery and primary schooling in Nigeria. And I finished my secondary school also in Nigeria, both junior and senior. And then I started my first year in university. So after secondary school, you go straight to university in Nigeria, which is not the case here. So I, I was in first year in university studying medicine before I came over to join my mom here in the UK. And yeah, obviously coming over to the UK, I had to learn about their own educational system because 
my mom was trying to get me into a university, kind of like a transfer. You were university there to get into a university here. And they were like, given my age, I should be in sixth form or um, A-levels. I need to do that first before I can go into university here in the UK. So obviously, um, my mom wasn't happy about that, but it had to be done. So I, I, um, I was enrolled in this um, sixth form college, Robert Clark School. I don't know if you know that school. It's, um, you know, the school where um, Megan went to, where the boy was saying she, she looks beautiful and all that, was on the news. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I did my sixth form. And yeah, so after that, it was uni. And yeah. Nice. So did you continue? Yeah, um, in, in, in Nigeria, we, we have different kinds of, just like I guess everywhere else, we have um, government schools, which are free. And, um, well, I wouldn't say fully free. School fees are free, but you pay other things. You pay for other things. Your parents have to pay for other things. And then we have private schools, which are very much expensive. So you have, um, within society, some people who are able to afford that and some people who cannot. So, um, and I went to a boarding school, which was a private school, my secondary. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite fun. I think that, that was kind of the beginning of me developing my own independence. I go to a boarding school, I, I would advise that for anyone. And it was, yeah, it was, it was quite fun. Like growing up with those um, <laughs> people or students together through six years living together. And, yeah. What, what what was what was the sort of um, fun aspect of growing up in boarding school? I'm not judging. I'm just saying I've I've not heard too many people talk so positively about um, you know going to. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm just intrigued. <laughs> um, I guess the fun aspect is. I okay. I I, I guess for some people it's not it's not really fun, depending on what your experience was like. If you had like. If you had lots of friends there, or you had kind of like a friendly community or friendly situation going on, you would mostly enjoy it because it's just living with your friends every day. You go to uh, you in the mornings, you go for your classes, and you come back to the hostel and you do anything else you want to do. We play football most of the time. We, um, I mean, there, there were times where we had to like go in to um, classrooms to read, which was compulsory. We call them prep times. You have, you have to go in to study and after that you go back to your hostels and you can do whatever you wanted and <clears throat> obviously as a as a young kid who has just finished primary school going into secondary school growing up in africa most african parents are strict yeah so most yeah most african parents are strict at home so you go in to boarding school you still have strict teachers there and mm. strict um people who oversee you there as well but obviously you had um you had time with friends to do what you wanted. So it was kind of like the first step of es escaping your street mm. parents. But, but yeah, it was, it was mostly because you had friendly. Um, I get that. Yeah, you know, I, I get that because you're so saying you maintain that level of discipline, discipline, which was brought to you from your family. But you know, the sort of the stepping stone was that you had friends all around you. So it made that sort of step into independence you know, a bit more transitional yeah, and yeah. easier. All right, uh, yeah, fair play, yeah. I get that. Um, one question I had um, going back to growing up in Nigeria um, was regarding safety. Now, I know growing up back in the days, for me especially, there was no uh, mobile phones, video games as such, and, you know, you wouldn't really be glued to yeah, the TV. Yeah. You'd be out, out and about on the streets, playing with your friends in the park, whatnot, until the sun came down, yeah. I mean, and there wasn't really... You weren't really, not, not fussed about safety, but you felt pretty safe in your neighborhood or your town or whatever. Nowadays, I think that's sort of gone out the window uh, for safety and due to technology. What was it like in Nigeria? And that's a, did, we, did you ever feel unsafe or was it kind of that full community get together in a sense? No, I had, that's, that's, that's a really good question because, um, yeah, growing up in Nigeria as a young kid, I mean, given the way the community was set up, I didn't have any kind of um, fear or reservations or kind of, any apprehensive feelings towards going out to play as a young kid, or it wasn't, you didn't even need like permission from your parents to go out to play because they were scared something was going to happen to you. It was just how things were. Like it was a thing we were used to. Like there was the, the sense of security came from 
um, the community um, primarily came from the community. Like nobody, everyone trusted everyone. I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't going to be community that they're not going to be communities where there are bad people, but primarily everyone within the area of the community kind of watched out for children and took care of them. And it was a sense of um, even though you had your parents, every other um, grown up in the area was kind of like a parent to you as well. Because, I mean, if you acted wrongly, they would call you to the side and smack you. Like, nobody was going to take any rubbish from you. <laughs> smack you. So, every other older person was kind of like your parent as well. And, yeah, so they looked out for you, even though your parents were not there. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was always safe and it was always like, you never had that feeling of, um, or oh, something could happen or something couldn't happen or something like that. And another thing is, even though we had the police in Nigeria, I mean, we have our police there, you rarely have situations where the police have to come around to look, okay, is anything wrong going on or anything like that. So the police always turn up when they're called. Like, I mean, I guess just like here. So they always just turn up when they're called. Mm. Interesting. All right, let's move on to the um, your sort of transition to the UK. So I want to know three things, if that's all right, mate. I want to ask, um, first of all, what what made you come to the United Kingdom? Like, wh why did you decide to move? Um, secondly, what was the sort of process behind it? Um, and thirdly, what was the sort of the personal emotions, feelings towards leaving your home of, what, 16 years and then suddenly being uprooted to a whole other continent? And, you know, just all, all issues surrounding that. Just If you can talk us through that sort of period of your life. Okay. Um, yeah, the... Okay, the reason, the reason for moving down, the reason for moving from Nigeria down to the UK was primarily to join my mom. Because, um, so whilst we were in Nigeria growing up, I'm talking about myself and my siblings, because we lived, um, whilst we were growing up, and this one went secondary school, uh, my mom was in the UK. She worked as a midwife. And so she was in the UK working and she was providing for us. So she would send money over to kind of pay our fees and everything. And um, so when, once we finished um, secondary school, she kind of wanted us to have our higher education in the UK. So whilst she was um, getting our um, documents sorted out, that's when I kind of went into university. So I did first year university in Nigeria before coming over. Um, so yeah. Um, Primarily, it was just to come over here because my mom felt we had better opportunities here, um, especially if we if we studied in a um, British university. It, she, she felt we would have better opportunities as compared to what we would have if we studied back home. So primarily, it's just um, I guess is to get um, a. Yeah, so just, just to get uh, better opportunities, hmm. which um, I, I think was a valid reason. And obviously, so leaving Nigeria, so obviously I think you talked about what's the... Did you, did you see me to pause? Or... Oh, I thought so you <laughs> No, man, so I was stretching. Wait, don't stretch up. They had this a signal. <laughs> okay. Um, so the transition, the uh, or process of actually moving. Um, so my mom was here on an indefinite leave to remain. So what that means is, I don't know if you're familiar with the different visas you get for the UK. So it's a settlement visa where you can reside in the UK indefinitely, but you're not a British citizen, but you can reside indefinitely in the UK. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's called ILR, indefinite leave to remain. And obviously, bringing your children over. So these children, for you to bring your children over, they need to be younger than 18. Because if they're over 18, it means they might as well just be in Nigeria and you send them money. And they, yeah. So they don't need you as a parent. They don't need to join you as a parent. But at the time, we were still very young. So we needed to join up our parents. So um, we got our indefinite leave to remain as well, which is settlement visas as well. To come over to the UK, and um, I think after a few years, or five years, or ten years, you can then apply for citizenship if you want to be a British British citizen. Um, so yeah, the the process was my mom coming over to coming back to Nigeria. 
and applying for our, um, well, she did it from there, sent it to the British, um, British Consul back in Nigeria. And so we had to go for a um, kind of like an, an interview or like a meeting where they asked us questions like, okay, so what are you, um, how old are you? What are you studying? What, why do you want to go to the UK? And we had to kind of talk about that. So we're going to join our mom, we're going to follow our education, all of that. And obviously our visa was granted. And then we traveled. We came down to the UK to join our mom. So um, feelings, how I felt leaving Nigeria. It was mostly the feeling of, um, I'm not going to be seeing my um, immediate um, extended family because I've just grown up with them and everything. I'm talking about my grandparents, my uncles and all of that. I've grown up with, um, seeing all of them around. I'm not having them around anymore, going to somewhere new. I like all of my friends from um, secondary school and boarding school and all of that, not having all of those. And it's all just, I mean, initially I was happy like jumping on the plane and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but when we got here, after the first week, it's just like all of those people are kind of reduced to a phone conversation. And it just like, it hits you. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to see them anymore. I have to like make new friends, meet new people. And yeah. And, but you, you quickly get over that because of the excitement of kind of like being, being somewhere new and yeah, meeting. I mean, depending on the kind of person you are. Um, so for me, it was I was happy to like meet new people and get to know the, the place. Like, so I moved to East London, Barking in East London, and um, it was a good area because um, if you if you if you know much about Nigerians in the UK, most of them are in London. So we kind of have a community in the area. I'm not talking about like the whole streets covered with Nigerians. I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. My mom had like friends who were Nigerians and they had kids, so. You quickly met these people and you made friends and you got to know them and you, you you knew you weren't just alone and yeah so it was it was good so did that kind of fill in that gap of community the community feel that you had in nigeria growing up like you said in your you know your yeah, gated, so gated it, community and all that yeah yeah so um yeah so that that helped with um filling that void of community i mean you get you get to meet other nigerians and everything but obviously it doesn't it doesn't really it, it, it's not quite the same because again you're, you're meeting new people and getting to know them as compared to people you've known for years and developed relationships with already one question i had did you ever feel like um now i know you said you had that sort of strong uh, community of um nigerians around you in your in your hometown uh, sorry when you moved to the uk but obviously it's very different to growing up in Nigeria. Did you ever get a sense of like that? I, I know you mentioned that lack of void, you know, that feeling of not racism per se, but just you didn't belong. Do you know what I mean? Or were, were you ever sort of, um, how'd you say it? I think you know what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean, did you ever experience that? Like, <laughs> like this isn't, this isn't where I belong kind of, or did, was it so welcoming the, the area and community and just British culture and British life that you fit right in? Um, I would say it's, it was a balance. So, I mean, it was a mixed, it, it, was, a, it was a mixed experience depending on what I was doing. So for example, when I came down here, I, I was enrolled in a football team. Because obviously I showed interest in football. My mom, I wrote me this um, kind of like a Sunday league thing for like young young guys and my team was like majorly British people so they, they were welcoming I, I, I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel any negatively about it um, but still like you 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 stuck out like a sore thumb like, if you understand what I mean like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and and yeah and coming, coming from Nigeria, like with my heavy African accents, most of them couldn't understand me. So there was yeah. that as well. And um, so some of them could, some of them couldn't. And some of them with um, certain accents as well, because they, they didn't all speak like um, how London people spoke. Some of them had like companies, some of them had different accents. And I couldn't understand them as well. So there was that as well. And um, so I, I guess there were just certain hurdles which just happened naturally. 
given that I wasn't born here and I didn't grow up here as a kid. So I had to jump jump over those hurdles and yeah, yeah. So those experiences were there. But like um the people I met generally weren't hostile or they, they weren't bad towards me. It was it was a it was always um a welcoming um experience. Mm. I mean, yeah. did you did um, you feel did you feel any of those hurdles throughout your life? Not just growing up in the area you grew up, but generally as time went on, living in the UK, obviously for more than a decade, have you felt those hurdles and have you had to overcome any of them majorly? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know if I'm the right person for this for this um, question. I don't think so because um, I haven't. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen those hurdles become a problem. If you understand what I mean, where it becomes a problem, I think, okay, this is exactly why this problem is happening. And um, yeah, I don't think I've seen it become a major problem in my life, per se, but I've seen it happen to other people. And even though I haven't experienced it, I've seen it firsthand and I've seen it happen to people and I've, 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 I've seen what the um, damages are to them and their lives and their kind of, I'll say ambition or dreams. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen those things happen to them, but to me, I don't think that's happened to me. Um, and uh, yeah. No, fair, no, fair play, man, fair play. Um, all right, let me just take you back to Nigeria for a minute, right? Um, I've, got, I've got a question surrounding the education system, which we touched upon earlier. Um, Oh yeah, I was gonna say something. Sorry. Oh no, go on. Jump in, jump in. Is it still recording? Yeah, man, it's always recording. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the beauty of unedited. Okay. Language. Go on. Okay. Um, no, I was gonna say when um, when I was in Nigeria, I had no clue what racism was. I don't know if it was because I was a kid or because. Um, I mean, everybody else looked like you, so you didn't understand what racism was. Like, I mean, you would have heard, the, heard of the term, knew what it meant, but it didn't really make any meaning that was relatable. Like, you couldn't relate to the meaning of racism. If you understand well, you what I mean. Like, you hadn't, well, you hadn't witnessed it, I guess, and it doesn't have to be first time. I hadn't witnessed it, I hadn't experienced it. it, I hadn't, yeah, exactly. So it was just a term in the dictionary that you knew the meaning of. No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So... So coming over here and obviously the people here, I'm talking about the black communities here and the um, Africans here, not, not necessarily Nigerians, hmm. other black communities or other black um, people from other countries talking about racism and everything. We're just like, what is this racism you keep talking about? And what, what are these things? And so obviously coming over here, then you begin to um, experience and see what actually means and um, yeah seeing it happen, I mean, and obviously, yeah, I guess for some people coming over here, they, they, some, some events happened during their time here and they didn't put it down to racism or they didn't understand it was racism because again, you didn't know what racism was. You're coming from a country where everybody looked like you. There was no, um, I mean, if there was like favoritism or any kind of thing that happened in your country, it wasn't because of your skin color or your race. It was because of other reasons like nepotism or anything else. So obviously coming over here and or coming over to a different country where you're not um, the same race or there are people of other races and you begin to see where um, discrimination happens because of people's races. Yeah, so initially you wouldn't put it down to race because you didn't understand what racism was. Hmm. So over time you begin to know, especially from other people and probably from first-hand experience as well. Yeah. Oh, fair, fair, fair. Fair enough, man. Um, actually, touching on what you said um, about growing up in Nigeria and not really experiencing that racism, uh, racism in society, one thing which there, there has been quite a lot of recently and I guess through the, through the decades now is there's, there's always been that kind of ethnic divide, if you like, between um, uh -huh. Christianity and Islam. And that's quite prominent yes. in uh, Nigeria. I mean, Nigeria, if, you could talk yes. to, if you could talk to us about that and maybe, I don't know if you witnessed anything firsthand or, you know, what, what the kind of dynamic is 
uh, between that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, given given that there's no racism, like I said, there are other um, there are other reasons why people kind of s- segregate or I don't know, like marginalize other people and everything. Mm. And religion is one of the main reasons. So in Nigeria, two main religions are Christianity and um, Islam. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah, so we have um, a lot of Muslims in our country, and we have a lot of Christians. I would say it's a balance. I wouldn't say one is more than the other. I would say it's a balance. We don't have like a national religion. So it's not, it's not Nigeria doesn't have a national religion, although we tend to say we're a Christian country. Mm. But yeah, we have a lot of um, Muslims in our country as well. And that causes a lot of um, a lot of problems. So we have mostly the northerners and the westerners who are mainly Muslim. And Christ and you, you have Christians among them as well, just like you have Muslims in the south and the east. But mm. yeah, you have a lot of Christians in the south and the east. And yeah, so it it causes a lot of problems. And we've had situations. I mean, when I was back there as a kid, where churches were burned, uh, mosques were burned, uh, people were attacked because they were Christian. And yeah, all of those things have happened in the past. And I mean, I think even now, like some of those things happen sometimes, and it's mostly because just like we experience in the Western countries, we have certain um, extremists. Obviously, not every Muslim person in the country is an extremist. Sure, all yeah, of them do cause those problems. Yeah, so you have some extremists who kind of like rise up and they begin something, and obviously you have people with these two are not going to have it, and it becomes a war. And yeah, so. Yeah, so yeah, we've had so many, so many religious problems in Nigeria, and mm. I think it's calmed down now, and we don't, we don't really hear about a lot of those now. Okay, fair play, fair play. Yeah, so other than religion, which I feel like is the main one, there are other problems that kind of divide the country as well. So um, again, it comes back to how resources are managed, going back to the government and all of that. So within the ethnic groups, there are like um, favorite, there's favoritism because people tend to bring in people who are of their own. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of favor people who are from your um, part of the country and you promote them and all of that. So that happens a lot of the time. And another main thing that causes problems is because in Nigeria, for you to go anywhere, you need to have connections. So sometimes it's not based on your merits. It's not based on um, what, you, what you've achieved as a person or an individual. It's just because your dad knows somebody or your mom knows somebody or, yeah, you, you, you're, you have a friend that's somewhere. And it's just, it mm. causes a lot of problems. Nepotism. Yeah. Yes, yes, nepotism happens a lot. And, yeah. I am. Interesting stuff, man. Very interesting. <laughs> Whew. Need a breather there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you. I'm, I'm sure you noticed that in Kenya. Mm, yeah, <laughs> been around the globe a bit myself, kind of. Um, Uzoma, uh, I was asking you earlier about the education system. I had a, I had a particular question. Um, yeah. So, I think if you take certain education systems, let's take the UK, for example, there are, you're taught a very sort of, you know, rigid, stringent history of the UK and it very rarely sort of meanders off of that. Do you know what I mean? You don't really look at kind of all the diverse aspects of history, which they're involved in only kind of a set plane. Do you know I mean, straight line of history. You don't look at all the other countries been involved in and why maybe there are the, the country is so diverse. For example, the histories of all these diverse and diverse regions and uh, individuals. Um, just talking about Nigerian education, growing up there, what kind of history were you taught exactly? Because your your history is quite interesting. The fact that obviously you had different um, colonies trying to take over, and then your independence, and then like you said, you had ethnic violence in different parts of the parts of your history. Um, so what what's, what is kind of your straight line or is it, I know you weren't brought up here, so you don't have a, you know, the same standard um, 
um, education to compare it to in terms of topics, but what kind of things were you taught and do you think it was catered to a certain faction of the country or a certain uh, uh, religious ethnic group of the country? Or do you think it was pretty broad and you actually got a real good sense of Nigerian history growing up in school? Um, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so in school, especially in uh, primary schools, the type of history you learned were, was, um, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a history lesson or history uh, studies that wasn't like particular to one ethnic group or kind of favoring one religion or the other. It was just a general timeline of the things that happened in Nigeria or how Nigeria became Nigeria because obviously Nigeria didn't exist as a country before. So how Nigeria came, became Nigeria and the events that transpired after that. So that's the kind of history you get. But obviously I'm, I'm, I'm sure going, going up to higher education, the kind of history you get would go, um, would go deeper into the several ethnic groups and what they did pre-becoming Nigeria and post. But in primary schools, it was just a general timeline. So you knew in 1960, we got our independence. You knew what happened before we got our independence. You knew what happened after that when we came Yeah, and you knew um, what transpired before the Biafran War. You knew, you knew all of those things. So it was, it was a general knowledge of um, events that kind of happened in Nigeria or important events and kind of prominent people of note. You, you get to hear about those names and recognize them and yeah. The, the question I want to ask also from that is um, colonies such as Britain, when they came into Nigeria, how was that taught in the school, in, in this timeline of history you're mentioning? Were they kind of portrayed as the bad guys? Were they just portrayed as an, you know, an arbitrary, arbitrary part of history? Uh, you know, how exactly were these kind of, I want to say, you know, in uh, interestingly, in air quotes, like, you know, invaders, but yeah. Yeah, interestingly, so I can say from my experience because I studied um, at primary level and secondary before going before coming over to the UK. So I don't know what um, I don't know what the what the study in the higher level of education in Nigeria, but in in um, primary school and probably secondary school, you don't really hear about hear much about um, the British or um, the colonial masters or anything like that. You don't hear much about that. So it was just um, the British colonized Nigeria. This is what happened, this is what happened. Um, yeah, you, you hear that, but you don't hear anything else. And it's mostly all Nigeria after that. Yeah, so okay. you, mm. there, there was no painting of the, uh, British, uh, the British government or the British people as um, all this or that, or yeah, there, there wasn't any, any of that, it was just the British colonized Nigeria. Um, you probably oh, knew who, who the first person was that came down to Nigeria since, um, yeah, and all of that. So it was just facts about, it wasn't any, yeah. Yeah, no, fair. I mean, just, just touching on this kind of deep topic, which is obviously important. Um, slave trade, which sort of saw Nigerians um, uh, sent to America, you know, against their will. Yeah. yeah in the like, uh, 16th, yeah. 17th centuries. Uh, w was this kind of taught in schools? Was this a well-known, um, you know, so something which they, they kind of needed you to know in your, and they, they sort of portrayed it in the education system quite thoroughly, that you should know this is an inherent part of your country and your history? Yes, yes. So as part of the um, history studies, you, you got to know about slave trade and, um, you knew about um, what tribes or what um, parts of the country were mostly involved in slave trade. So that happened a lot with the southern, um, with the southern and western parts of the country because they um, they have a um, how, how do I say this? The border is on the Atlantic Ocean. If you, if you understand what I mean. So that part of the country mm -hmm. just is right next to the Atlantic Ocean. So that, those are where the ships would come to, to pick up people and be gone. So you, you, learned, you learned a lot about that. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a um, study of, oh, 
we were turned into slaves, this and that. It was just facts. Um, slave traders came in shapes, they, they bought slaves from here, and um, people who were criminals in certain tribes were sold as slaves in exchange for money or for gold or for certain things. And yeah. Oh, fair enough, man. All right, let's move on the topic slightly. Um, we're going to start wrapping up soon, so I'm going to ask you a few um, questions here on Nigeria itself, or your own personal feelings towards the country. I'm going to ask you, um, wait, first of all, do you go back there quite often? That's not the question, but that was just a side question. Um, I've, <laughs> I've only been back like three times, so okay. not often. All right, then in that case, from your experience growing up in Nigeria, what was your favorite thing about the country? The food. <laughs> yeah? yeah? In general, or you had a particular dish, or...? Um, in general, because, okay, so just because we have multiple ethnic groups in Nigeria, obviously that means everyone has their own local dishes, and that means there's multiple, um, multiple local dishes that people can enjoy, especially now that's in the cities, you had every kind of ethnic group or every, um, every culture represented. So you have restaurants with food from all of these places and you get to experience them and obviously being a food lover myself. Um, yeah, you get to indulge. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Nigerian food is really good. Coming, coming over to the UK, um, we have Nigerian restaurants and we have African, um, African shops or mini markets where we buy these things, but obviously it's very limiting. So you can only buy what they have. I mean, in Nigeria, you have everything, but here it's very limiting. So you, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. But yeah, okay. one, one, thing, one thing I love mostly about Nigeria is the food. The second thing I love is the people. Um, so obviously in Nigeria, we have a society of just, they're, they're fun people, they love fun. And it's just, yeah, like no day is boring. Like people are just fun. Like they're always out and about and doing things. And it's just, it's always fun. Um, the third thing, and another thing I like about Nigeria, or I would say I like about the people, because this has to do with the people, um, is the fact that they are all mostly self-starters. You can understand what I mean? Because mm. obviously, given that the governments and the leaders, they kind of squander the budget every year, <laughs> and they misuse the budget and the money, um, the country is still kind of thriving and doing a lot of things. And these, this is down to the people, like the like you, you come to an area and you see a lot of developments and these are like personal projects. These are not like government funded projects. These are person, personal projects. Hmm. And people, people are just doing their own thing, starting businesses. And I mean, for every other family, having a small business is like a norm. Like, yeah, like pe people had, some people who were civil servants had jobs. Some people or most people started businesses or mini businesses that were I mean, which, which was their main source of income, like feeding the family and supporting their relatives and everything. And it was just, it was, it was a, <clears throat> it was good to experience. And then obviously coming over here is completely different where, yeah, you don't have lots of that. Oh, fair play. So then uh, moving on to when you first came here, what's the one thing you sort of witnessed or experienced in British culture, British life, where you were like, oh, wow, I never experienced this in Nigeria. I wish we had this back in Nigeria, kind of. Do you know what I mean? What thing would you take away from it back to Nigeria? Um, I wouldn't say, okay, this is not really, this is not relating to culture. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but one thing I witnessed that I, I really liked was the fact that the electricity was static. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with culture. In Nigeria, we have, uh, in Nigeria, we, we have dams and everything that generates electricity, but electricity is not static. So we have um, a situation where almost every household has a generator, like an electricity generator. And it's a thing, right? it's, a, it's a big thing in Nigeria. Everybody has a generator and once um, power is out, you turn on your generators and <clears throat> or coming over here, it's just like, you don't need that electricity static and everything, which is one thing I would love 
um, if Nigeria had, because I feel like it would take the country, it would improve um, development of the country so quickly because relying on static electricity, you can then develop, like, especially given that the world is like digital now. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I love. Um, yeah. Culture-wise, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate, I, I, I appreciate some things about the British culture, but I wouldn't take them over. Like, if you understand what I mean, there's, there's nothing mm. that stands out that would take over to Nigeria to add to Nigerian culture. I feel like they're different, and they, I appreciate them as two different yeah, cultures, if you understand sure, what I mean. Sure. Like, there's yeah, nothing absolutely. Nigerian culture I would like to add to the British culture. And Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Nice, man. Nice. Zoma, mate, this has been... Um... Yeah, really interesting, man. And uh, we appreciate you opening up to us. And uh, it's been an interesting story, man. Uh, any final thoughts from you? Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you as well. I appreciate the um, time mm. to talk about Nigeria and myself. Mm. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, I think Nigeria is great. I think it's a place people, I think it's a place that people should visit and um, learn more about. I think um, when it comes to business in Africa, I think Nigeria is going to be huge and major. I think anyone that's looking to invest, I think um, it's a good time and it's, uh, there's lots of opportunities for people to go back to actually to go there and invest right now. And um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think great things are going to be happening in Nigeria. Nice, nice. Yeah, man. Honestly, it's been great having you on. That was another original story from Uzoma this time. So, listeners, please check us out on our social media, on Instagram, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, follow us if you like. Share us, listen, blah, blah, blah. All right. Stay safe. And, yeah, bye-bye.